Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm going to guess that you saw the title of this podcast and probably wondered what I'd been smoking, um, talking about the, the system, the club system, and the high school system in the United States. But uh, I'm going to take the side that we have a broken system, and I'm going to try to walk you through the reasons why I think it's broken. And then uh, the next podcast after this one will be how I think we can fix this. And uh, I'm going to look at this in a, in a pretty logical manner, uh, in a way that uh, I hope everybody will understand the, the direction I'm coming from it from. Uh, I'm a person who's been involved at the junior volleyball level for over 40 years, you know, understand the system, have probably seen more of it than virtually maybe anybody in the country, uh, or as much as anybody in the country since I've been involved probably as long or longer than anyone else. Uh, but I want to talk about, uh, you know, the things that I think are um, you know, maybe indicators that it's time to look for a possibly a new model and what we need to do. And on the surface, uh, there's no question that volleyball is at an all-time high in popularity in the United States. I mean, there's over 450,000 high school girls playing volleyball at the high school level. Uh, USA Volleyball has close to 200,000 high school age girl members. And then if you take AAU and the JVA on top of that, there's probably several or tens of thousands more. So I'm going to say we're approaching probably close to a quarter of a million girls, high school age girls who are playing volleyball on a year-round basis in this country. So, you know, that's a that's a number that's extremely impressive. I mean, it, it far out, it's far higher than anybody else in the world where there's where there's players playing year-round uh, at, the, at this level. So, And on top of that, if you add the 30,000-plus women who are playing collegiate volleyball, uh, you've got numbers that are just staggering. I mean, the, the United States has the deepest and the most athletic talent pool in the world, and it's really not even close. I mean, it, you know, anywhere else in the world you go, you know, the elite-level athletes are are, you know, number in the dozens or, you know, maybe the low hundreds. And here we just have literally tens of thousands of people playing the game. And we've got a lot of great athletes. I mean, you know, if you look at look at the pro rosters around the world, there's more Americans playing professional volleyball uh, around the world than anywhere else in any other country by far. And it's because we have such large numbers. I mean, we just overwhelmingly are dominant in the number of people who play volleyball. So, that really doesn't bode well for the title of this podcast, but I want to get a little deeper in, uh, into this. I want to do a deeper dive for you. So I think one of the things also you look at is generally you, you equate resources spent with quality of organizations. I mean, generally, if you've, got, if you've got money to afford an organization, you've got money to spend, you're going to have the best organizations. And if you look at junior volleyball, which, you know, if, if you're listening to this or you, you understand it, I mean, uh, it's not uncommon for a, a junior volleyball player or the family of a junior volleyball player, the parents, to spend ten to $15,000 a year uh, on club between tournaments and dues and travel. You know, and I've talked to, uh, I was talking to a, a mom who is in a different part of the country, but she told me that their travel costs alone this year are over $10,000 just for travel. So uh, it, it, that's not uncommon. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. And you take that money being spent by thousands and thousands and thousands of players, uh, you know, and then you've got tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. On top of that, the collegiate programs spend a lot of money on their athletes. I mean, they've got, you've got coaching salaries and think about the cost of scholarships. I mean, so it's tens of millions of dollars across the board in expenses at the collegiate level as well. So the money that we're spending on, on youth and junior volleyball in this country, and, and this is actually a fact, uh, the, the total dollars spent in America on the development of the volleyball, the female volleyball athlete, is more than the rest of the world spends together on on the same thing. And it, it's just, it's 
the numbers are pretty staggering when you look at them, uh, if you look at the total dollar amounts that are spent. So I think that's one of the things that you look at. And, you know, at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, what are we getting for our money? And you have to look at what the word efficiency means. And, you know, are, you know, if you're, you know, it's one thing to light money on fire. It's another thing to spend it um, cautiously or efficiently. But I think, you know, we'll, we're going to discuss that and we'll talk about that. But another thing is, is how much we play. And you've, you've heard me talk about it in other podcasts about how much American kids play. And it's not uncommon for a high school slash club player in this country to play well over 100 matches a year. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got the club season, which goes from, you know, winter through summer, uh, six, seven, eight months long. You've got the high school season, which goes from late summer to, you know, into November, December. You know, a lot of high school teams will play 40 plus matches a year. A lot of club teams will play 80 plus matches a year. And then you've got like high school summer leagues and other things like that that don't even fit into that equation, don't even count towards those numbers. So, American kids play more than anybody, I mean, by far. And if you compare that to, let's say, what the best high school kids are doing, high school age kids are doing in Brazil, Europe, Asia, you know, they're playing 30 to 50 matches a year. And I think one of the things that's key is, you know, to understanding, again, look how much money we're spending, look how much volleyball we're playing, and then, you know, we'll get into some other things a little bit later as well. And I think the one thing that you know, that we just talked about was the money and the level of play, you would think that we would have, you know, we should, by all counts, just be dominating the world in the sport of volleyball. We have by far the most players. We have by far the most number of talented players. We play more volleyball than anybody else in the world. I mean, we, we have more match play under our belt than anybody else in the world. And we spend more money. I mean, so those, you know, that should, that should add up to, you know, that we're just kicking butt everywhere we go in the world of volleyball. And uh, if you look at the stats, since 1952, there have been 18 women's world championships, world championships. And since 1964, there have been 14 Olympic Games women's volleyball championships. Volleyball was introduced in 1964 at the Tokyo Olympics. So out of those 32 world championship competitions where the best teams in the world came together to play the united states women have won one single gold medal one out of 32 times that the best teams in the world get together one and that's my premise that the system is broken is that we're spending all this money we're putting all this effort into players you know developing their skills we have all this talent why aren't we winning more and Serbia won the 2018 Women's World Championship, and Serbia has 8 million people. I mean, it's smaller than a lot of United States states. Forget the country, but states. And they've probably got, you know, less than two dozen elite-level athletes in Serbia, you know, who are, are national team candidates at any time who would play on the world stage. And yet, you know, there they played for the gold medal in Rio, in 2016 they won the world championship in 2018 and you know they're going to be one of the favorites to win the olympic gold medal in tokyo this coming summer so it's one of the things that we have to look at why don't why doesn't this model that's that outspends the rest of the world that has 10 times the number of elite athletes that any other country in the world has playing volleyball why is this model so unsuccessful and i think that's one of the things we want to explore and i think the key for us is to understand it and then figure out how we can make it better. This isn't a, 
it's not a session to just rag on what's wrong. I'm going to try to talk a little bit about the things that I feel are wrong, and these are personal opinions. But I mean, they're personal opinions from somebody who's been involved for a long time, seen pretty much everything that's come down the pipe uh, over the last 40 years. I think I have a really good understanding right now of how what the landscape is in junior volleyball, have a really good understanding of the level of competition in junior volleyball, have a really good understanding of the business models of junior volleyball and what motivates most people. And uh, I think we have to talk about how we could be better. And so that's one of the things that we're going to try to address today. Um, I think the the since I have your attention, I think understanding why this system is broken. And if you look at it from just a pure, let's say you manage a business that spent all this money against your competitors and, and you know put all this time in and had all these numbers and you weren't winning, okay, you would feel like the system was broken. And so you know I feel the same way. So I think the first thing uh, that I want to address is that we play far too many volleyball matches. Our kids play way too much. And they just, you know, regardless, you know, regardless of what people say, the game does not teach the game. And I've said that before, uh, you know, Americans love to compete. We just don't like to practice that much. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is that we have substituted gameplay for player development. We think gameplay equates to player development. And at the lower levels and at the beginning levels and even, even pretty much all the way through high school, there's very little correlation between how much you play and how good you're going to ultimately be at the end of the day. And I think that's one of the things that's important. And I think part of it, one of the issues is that a lot of coaches today don't understand how to run a high-quality practice. If it doesn't involve six-on-six scrimmaging or you know the majority of the practice being six-on-six situations or just pure gameplay. And when players are young, we need to teach them uh, before we train them. And then we need to train them before we compete. And I think there's a logical progression there that we have to understand uh, what we have to go through. And a lot of coaches now, especially in the last, this last generation of coaches, you know, they've been convinced that if they just play enough or they run the right drills, uh, six on six drills, that everything's going to work out for itself. And that's just not true. I mean, it's just, it's not, not only not true, it's, it's a disservice to the players. I think that's one of the biggest things is, um, we're damaging the players' long-term careers for a lot of young kids. Uh, they're specialists in a few areas, but they're not well-rounded in all areas. And the most important thing we can give a young player is the ability to be good at everything, and then they can specialize later to be great at a few things. We're specializing at a really young age because the more we play, the more emphasis that we put on playing, the more we want to win when we play. So we only do the things that we do well when we play, and all that leads to a downward spiral of skill development. I mean, you can only develop skills when the end result doesn't matter until those skills are played at a higher level. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we run into in this country. And it's only going to get worse, I think. Uh, we have great athletes. There's no question. We have great players. The, the recent NC2A tournament with Kentucky and Texas, I mean, there's some really high-level volleyball being played. But, you know, we have 450,000 volleyball players in this country between the ages of 14 and 18. We should have tens and hundreds of elite-level players, and we don't. So I think that's one of the things to look at. And one of the things that you have to think about is coaches need to be able to create difficult situations and perform those situations repeatedly in a technical, technically sound manner and an efficient manner rather than just let, letting players create deep muscle memory using bad habits and poor technique, which almost always becomes impossible to change at a later time. And, you know, it, it's, you know, putting a ball in play and then repeating poor habits over and over again doesn't teach anybody anything. And I think that's one of the things that, that you see so much is you see so much, let's just play, let's just play, let's just play. But if you play with poor habits and poor muscle memory 
All you're doing is reinforcing those poor habits and that more muscle memory, and it's almost impossible to change it later. And uh, another issue with playing so much, and I've had college coaches tell me the same thing, is playing doesn't mean anything anymore. We play so much that it just doesn't, it, it doesn't create excitement. And another thing, if you're competitive, especially if you want players to play at the highest level, winning and losing kind of loses its purpose because in junior volleyball, you, you, there's always another match coming. No matter if you lose or not or win, there's always another one coming. And, you know, if you play a lot less and the ones you lose will sting a lot more and the ones you win are going to be a lot more gratifying because you're just not going to play as much. But we just, I, I believe this and I believe this to be true is that we play way too much because there's there's a there's no correlation anywhere in the world that the more you play a game the higher level you play at because you know it's just you know the numbers don't bear that out and the statistics don't bear that out so I think that's one of the things we have to look at so uh, I think that's an issue I think another area that needs to be addressed at some point is uh, the permanent damage that's being done to young athletes when they play most of their club career on artificial playing surfaces that sit directly on top of concrete. And, I mean, these convention center tournaments, you know, it, it's, it's, it's plastic floor sitting on top of concrete, and it's just it's bad. It's damaging to the athlete. You know, there's no rebound properties from uh, plastic on top of concrete, so there's no spring to your jump. You're just landing on a hard surface. And concrete on top of concrete or plastic on top of concrete is just literally concrete. And so, you know, it's, it's one of the things I think that we, we need to look at. And the college coaches need to get involved in this, in this topic. And, you know, I, I'm going to urge them, if anybody's listening, you can't sit on the sidelines anymore on this because, you know, it's just it's too important for the future of your programs. It's too important for the health of these athletes as far as, you know, what they're going to be like when they're 40 or 50 years old. You know, how arthritic are they going to be? How beat up are they going to be? Those are all things that, you know, football's dealing with that with concussion issues. But volleyball has a whole other issue because they're literally kids are playing a lot of their career and a lot of the gyms that clubs have. I mean, they just have sport court flooring that sits in there on concrete. And I think one of the things that, you know, that really bears this, brings this out, especially from, from you know, just a, a, a the point of view of maybe how the college coaches could help is, you know, during the recent uh, 2021 NC2A Division One championship, it was held in a bubble in Omaha, which is pretty much almost the same exact replica of what junior teams uh, play at all the time in every tournament. I mean, they didn't move into the the main arena at uh, Omaha to, I think, the semifinals. And the rest of the time, they were playing on these Terraflex floors that were laying on top of concrete, which, you know, but... but uh, one of the, somebody posted on their Instagram post, uh, and I'm going to quote this. It says, per multiple NC2A volleyball coaches, the eight practice courts in the convention center are sport court layered over cement flooring. This is very high risk for injury and not suitable for player safety, especially any players jumping repeatedly. Now, that's an Instagram post by somebody who's talking about the NC2A tournament. And I find this statement to be the very definition of ironic when the primary reason for all these large convention center tournaments is that you're playing on concrete as an athlete to showcase your skills for the very college coaches who would never allow their players to play 50 or 60 matches a year on a plastic surface that sits directly on concrete. So if it's not good enough for collegiate players, elite-level collegiate players, to play even practice on sport court that lays on concrete or any other plastic surface that lays on concrete, why is it okay for high school age kids, girls, to play 50, 60 matches a year on the same surface? Why is that, why is that okay? 
And part of it is the college coaches could help this issue a lot if they would get together and say, listen, I mean, you know, we're going to look at recruiting in just different ways other than collecting, you know, five or 600 teams in these big convention centers so we can, you know, have these kids play three days. Because, you know, I mentioned earlier, the recruiting window has been changed at the Division One level. Now it's President's Day through the, the end of April, which means that these kids are playing from mid-February to the end of April. They're playing five or six convention center tournaments, two or three-day events on concrete in a really short period of time trying to impress college coaches or trying to qualify for nationals if you're part of the USAB qualifier process, which that's a whole other animal right there that we can talk about later. But I think one of the things that we have to look at is you have to look at how this system could be changed because there's no question that it's damaging. There's no question it's damaging to the athlete. And, you know, it's it's only damaging to the athlete because the primary reason that those athletes are playing in those events is because they're trying to they're trying to catch the eye of college coaches. I mean, they're major recruiting events. So, um, you know, I, I realize a lot of this model is driven by money, but that's a whole different topic that we can talk about later. But I think that's one of the things that we have to look at as, as uh, people in volleyball is we have to look at, you know, why do we play so much? And also, why do we play on these surfaces? When literally you've got somebody saying that college coaches are complaining that they don't even want to practice on these surfaces two or three times, but you've got high school kids who aren't nearly as strong or as physical as college players, uh, you know, playing 50, 60 matches, maybe more a year on the same surfaces. So I think that's one of the things to, that we look at. So, um, and I think the, the one of the last areas that, that needs to be addressed at some point is the which concerns me is the disconnect between the club and the high school coaches in working to manage the development of the year-round athlete. And, you know, we're in the 21st century right now. I mean, the science and the data available on long-term athlete development is everywhere. I mean, it's not hard to find models that are 5, 10, 15 years, you know, long uh, of how to manage year-round athletes. And I think one of the things that I'm amazed at when I look at some of the schedules of of high school kids who are trying to manage both high school and club is just the disconnect from reality on on you know what they're trying to do and what they should be doing and you know the the interaction between one of the most important things that should happen is every high school coach and every club coach should be talking to each other on a regular basis. The, you know, everybody should have a plan for their athlete 12 months a year. There should be a 24-7, 365 um, plan for every athlete. I mean, one of the things that, that we have to know is we have to know that these kids who are, you know, big and strong and physical, you know, what's the best for them? You know, I mean, we have to look at the compression forces. We have to look at how much play versus how much practice, how much practice versus how much play. And we have to look at, you know, the, the, the ability, the physical training, the recovery times, you know, alternative methods of training recovery recovery methods of training not just not playing but how do we recover from certain areas those all should play into the equation of anybody who's involved in in, in year-round training and you know this idea that you're a multi-sport athlete uh, you know that plays into the equation as well if you're trying to play multiple sports and play club, club volleyball but one of the most important things right now that that in this country that should be done is that club coaches and high school coaches should be talking to each other. And, you know, if you, if, you know, if we did that on a regular basis, uh, the kids would be so much better off and, you know, kid, you can train year round, but there's gotta be different ways to look at how you're going to train. I mean, you know, a lot of times, 
club coaches will get kids in from high school. And when we have kids coming from high school, it's the time of the year that we have the most injuries in our program. That We have the most kids who are beat up because they've played really busy high school seasons. They've played four or five times a week in a short period of time. They've jumped and hit every day. You know, at a high school tournament, they'll play three, four, five matches. And, the, you know, that means you're warming up three, four, five times for hitting warm-ups. You may be hitting a lot of balls for your team. You know, we just don't. We look at that. And then when kids leave club in the summer, you know, the high school coaches get them and they, and they don't it's like they've forgotten that this kid just put seven or eight months in with a club playing against better competition than you have in high school at a higher level, maybe playing on these concrete surfaces over and over again, you know, uh, and, and played 80, 90 matches, played two or three high school seasons in one club season. So, you know, and a lot of times the high school coaches jump right in and go, we're going to do this camp, we're going to play this summer league, we're going to do this weightlifting, we're going to do all this stuff. When they you know, they haven't remembered that this kid just came out of a seven-month grueling cycle of volleyball. So one of the things that, you know, all the stuff that you're proposing may be the last thing in the world that this kid needs. It might be the most important thing for some of your kids who don't play at a high level, but it might be the last thing you need. So that's when, you, you know, we need to talk about how to tailor and manage individual programs at every level, club, high school, college, you know, at every level, how do we manage and tailor these programs so these athletes can continue to train and get better? So I think that's one of the things that we have to look at as well. So, I, you know, next time I'm going to talk about uh, my my solutions on how to fix this problem. But, you know, I believe that we do have a broken system. And I believe that no matter how big it is, there's one question is that it's unbelievably inefficient. It, it doesn't win championships on a regular basis. Uh, it doesn't uh, turn out thousands and thousands of elite level athletes considering the numbers that participate in it to start with and you know some other sports are going through the same thing I mean you know I, I think I mentioned in another podcast I've sat in on some AAU basketball meetings and the coaches are in basketball complaining about the lack of fundamental skill for the players because all they do is play games and the games that you play when you play a game I don't care what game you play whether it's hockey or soccer or anything you're going to play with the skills that you have you're going to use your strengths. You're going to avoid your weaknesses. And if your weaknesses, uh, you know, your weaknesses never become your strength if you're playing more than you're practicing. And I think that's one of the things. I saw Steve Kerr from the Oakland uh, or from the uh, Warriors uh, recently talked about just the lack of. He said the NBA players are more talented than ever skill wise, but their fundamentals are at an all time low. They just don't do the little things well because he. You know, I think his quote was they didn't have a high school coach yelling at them for four years. They didn't have a college coach barking at them for four years, which is eight years of you know, basic fundamentals to do things the right way. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're in the AAU system at a young age. They're playing 80, 90, 100 basketball games a year. Then they go to college for one year, go to the NBA. And, you know, they may be extremely gifted and talented athletes, but they're not fundamentally sound basketball players. And, you know, we have a lot of that right now in volleyball. I mean, one of the things that people who know volleyball would tell you that in this country of 450,000 players, you know, Karch Karai, who coaches the USA women, would probably tell you he can't find 10 elite-level outside hitters who can pass and play back row and still hit left side at, a, at an international level because it, that requires a lot of skill. And it's not that we don't have skilled athletes, but one of the things we don't have is we don't have a lot of athletes who were taught at a young age. Now, I know a lot of people blame the substitution patterns on this, but I think it's a lot more than that. I mean, we have Kelsey Robinson who played here for several years, and she was a basketball player. Uh, but one of the things that we did with Kelsey Robinson was she passed. She had to pass. Even when she wasn't very good, she had to pass. And, you know, she was a really competitive kid that wanted to be good at passing. And, you know, she's now considered one of the best outside hitters in the world, all-around hitters. You know, she's not the best hitter, but she's one of the best all-around
want outside hitters because she can do so many things, uh, pass, play great defense. You know, she's got great skill. And I think that's one of the things that we have to look at as coaches is let's develop great players. Let's develop great players in all areas. And then if we specialize, they become great in a few areas as opposed to, you know, what we do right now because we have to start playing. We have to go to a qualifier. We have to win a tournament. We have to get a bid. I mean, if you're involved in club volleyball, you know all these buzzwords, and they really have zero to do with player development. They have everything to do with club or team development. And one of the things that we have to look at is, you know, when we're charging people from us, paying for a service, we charge people money as club directors, you know, they're, they're paying to become better volleyball players. You know, it's great that they might be on a winning team. It's great. They might be, you know, going to these tournaments, they might getting these bids. They might, you know, that's, that's great for your reputation. That's great for, you know, the accolades for your organization, but they're paying for a service. And so one of the things that we want to talk about next time is how do we teach volleyball at a higher level? more efficiently you know can it be can it cost less you know can we train more and play less can we do it more efficiently so uh, that's what's that's on the plate for next time and i'm looking forward to seeing you guys and uh, hope everybody's doing well and wishing everybody all the best thank you